Welcome in to another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark. A lot earlier than usual for us, Mike, but we're getting it done um, as we always try to do. And of course, we have to start with the uh, biggest news of the weekend. And Mike, I just want to know, uh, I don't know if you're working that night or if you're on the copy desk, but just uh, your initial, I guess, reaction to some of my tweets and just some of the stuff that came out of that game. Yeah, um, so... Uh, just, I'm guessing most folks who are listening to us know about what's happening, but in case anybody doesn't, um, there was a uh, doubleheader at Bowman on Friday night. On the opener, 21st Century played Westside. We will talk about that game in a little bit. And in the nightcap, Bowman played Lighthouse. Lighthouse coached by Nick Moore, who played for Bowman on a state championship team, coached by his late stepfather, Marvin Ray, uh, who tragically died in a car accident in 2017. And then uh, after Marvin passed, uh, the Bowman gym was renamed in his honor. Uh, obviously, rightfully so. Uh, he debuilt Bowman uh, into the program that it was. Um, so anyway, uh, so those two teams played each other. It's a it's a very heated rivalry, um, yep. to say the least. And it was a ninety one ninety game was the final. And Nick Moore, um, again the former Bowman player, coming back to play at Bowman now the coach at Lighthouse. He actually. Um, succeeded his stepfather after Marvin passed away. Actually, there was an interim coach in between, but uh, Nick uh, became the coach uh, after Marvin passed away. And Nick took exception to the officiating, and he expressed his uh, opinion in a wrong manner. I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees on that. Now even Nick does. Um, and uh, he threw a chair, got ejected, uh, sat on the scorer's table, demanded to talk to Arthur Haggard, the Bowman Athletic Director. Um, and uh, at the end of the game, after Nick had been ejected, one of his assistant coaches also threw a chair. And um, so, yes, I was working that night. Um, I was following your tweets. Um, it's a terrible look for Gary basketball. Obviously, Nick is no longer the coach anymore either. Um, he's been let go, understandably. And he did express remorse uh, and some, uh, he did accept some responsibility for his actions on Saturday. So that is to his credit. But, uh, you know, some of the stuff that was reported in your story um, and our follow-up story that ran in Sunday's paper uh, where Arthur Haggard gave his uh, side of the story and Nick gave his side of the story. And uh, honestly, um, Nick was in the wrong. Um, Lighthouse was right to get rid of him. Um, you know, I want to be careful with what I'm saying here. Um Again, it's a very heated rivalry. Um, Arthur Haggard in the aftermath has said that they're not going to play Bowman in any sport anymore. 
I, I mean, it's, uh, they won't play Lighthouse rather in any sport anymore. I guess we'll have to see if that stands. Um, but, uh, you know, I, and, and you were there, so I, you know, I'll certainly let you, you know, give your perspective on it. But, you know, my perspective would be is that, uh, you know, things get out of hand. Um, and it's unfortunate because, again, it's a bad look. Uh, you know, people should be able to get together on a basketball court, play hard, uh, you know, and not rise to this level, honestly, because um, we don't need that. You know, sports should be a unifying force. It should not be a divisive force. And clearly it was here. Um, so Arthur Haggard, uh, also in the follow-up story, said they want to bring this event back. Um, but as of now, it would be without Bowman. And honestly, I hope that that can change. Um, I think it's a good idea for all four Gary High Schools to play each other or not to play each other, but to play in an event like this. I think it's a great celebration of the sport, which is so important to the city. Um, and, you know, Nick did make a point that he did not want to play Bowman. Uh, and Arthur said that it was a blind draw. You know, I guess those are the two, those are two perspectives on that. And, uh, you know, I guess I would say that maybe it would have been better off in hindsight if, you know, Bowman and Lighthouse hadn't played each other. And there was not necessarily any reason why they had to. Um, Nick said that Lighthouse, or that Bowman rather, was trying to get revenge for losing to Lighthouse earlier in the season. Arthur said it was a blind draw. You know, so again, there's a lot of he said, he said here. And, uh, you know, Again, it's unfortunate, and uh, I hope that everybody can move past this and we can get back to celebrating what is such an important sport in the city of Gary and uh, getting back to celebrating the great accomplishments of some of the people like Jalen Washington and uh, some of the other kids involved. So, and with that, I will let you. What's your take on it? Yeah, so I was there, um, and the craziest part I kind of want to point out is that Karan Davis from Bowman scored 41 points um, in the 91-90 win for his team. Um, 41, I believe, is the most I've seen in person for a game I've ever covered, um, and I didn't even talk to him because that was the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, seriously, Mike, it was honestly like the fifth most important thing um, to try to get information on or, or try to track down after the game. Simply because when it got to about the third quarter, that's when Lawrence Sandlin, the athletic director for Lighthouse, got ejected near the end of the third quarter, near the start of the fourth quarter. He got ejected. This was, And, and just so everyone knows, this was not... A huge deal. Um, he got on one of the referees. The referee didn't like it. Um, he asked for Sandlin to be removed. And Haggard, um, who was the Bowman AD, went over to Sandlin. They shook hands. Um, Sandlin even, you know, told him, hey, you know, no no, no hard feelings. And then he left with no commotion at all. So I, I kind of want to put that out there. 
I know um, in my story, um, I, I obviously I, I wrote that he expressed his displeasure with the officials and I wrote that he did not respond to my request for comment. Um, so I do want everyone to know that I've reached out to him um, and, and I told Nick and Haggard when I reached out to them uh, Saturday, I was like, hey, I know there's going to be some things in here that you all on both sides might not like, but I have to tell both sides, um, you know, obviously with some credence to, you know, what's being put in here. I can't write, you know, uh, uh, the, I think the story ended up being about 50 inches, which was unbelievable. Uh, but and I didn't expect it to be that long at all. But I think the openness from Nick and Haggard allowed me to personally, I felt like, you know what, let me just lay everything out there just so um, again, it's, 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 in my opinion, fair reporting. And also it gives both sides to uh, air their grievances. So um, overall, though, the game itself was pretty, uh, pretty crazy, pretty intense, high scoring, Gary basketball, fun game. Um, but just as a reporter, I knew once Coach Moore got ejected that that was the story. Not only just ejected, like if he got ejected and hadn't thrown a chair, but he had just got ejected for like two technical fouls or whatever, um, then that really wasn't a story. Then I would have been talking to Karan Davis about scoring what probably was his career high or close to it. Um, but once he threw the chair, my mind as a reporter was like, okay, that's the story. And I know I had a few people um, who were at the event you know, asking me like, oh, are you going to write about this? And, you know, uh, you know, is, is this a story? And I told them, unfortunately, it is. Um, I think people kind of forget that even though I'm a sports reporter, I am a news reporter. So if I'm at a game and something out of the ordinary happens, like a, a chair being thrown, then that becomes a story. Um, I like I said, I do respect the fact that uh, Coach Moore answered the phone Saturday, um, you know, and, and I and I told him straight up. I was like, I will. And I, this goes for anyone, you know, when it's writing a story about them. I will never write a, a story about you without at least calling you. Now, whether you want to talk to me or not, that's your choice. But um, I think that as a good reporter, like any good reporter would do, you call the people that are involved, which I did. And I laid it out there. And, you know, I'm not going to go back through the entire story because, like I said, it's 50 inches. I think it's over a thousand words. So if you want to go and, and, and reread and, and trust me, I looked over every single word, Mike, to uh, to make sure, like, you know, because it's one of those stories where you don't want to go back and make changes. You don't want to have to come out and say, oh, this was a mistake. I, you know, looked over every single word and I believe every word in there is what is the word I meant to write. So at the end of the day, that's what happened. Um, Coach Moore announced on his Facebook page Monday night that he was um, let go. I called him. He did not pick up. I called the AD. He did not pick up either. Um, reached out to the principal today. She's out of the office. Took an email. Haven't heard back. Um, but I will track down who obviously is interim coach. Um, cause that's the job and that's just the nature of the business sometimes. Um, but segueing into, I guess some more, uh, oh, last thing I'll say is the IHSA was aware of what happened. They are investigating it. And from what I understand, they're still investigating it. I reached out to them for a statement, did not hear back. Um, and, and granted they did say that they were waiting for a report from Lighthouse, 
um, to be filed by Monday afternoon. So um, I not expected uh, a decision to be made uh, yesterday. And again, if Moore hadn't announced on his own Facebook, I wouldn't have known anything about his coaching status. Um, but obviously there are some things to uh, consider after that. Like, is anybody else on his staff going to be let go? Like you said, the assistant coach, uh, Kevon Ford, who was um, also um, a member of that state championship team in 2010, he threw a chair. So is he gone? I don't know. Um, you know, what's the status of the athletic director, Lawrence Sandlin? Is he still the AD? Um, what's the status of the team? Will they be able to play the rest of the season? Are they going to be able to play this upcoming Saturday, which is their next game? And if so, who is the interim coach? Things like that are all questions that I will try to get answered as soon as possible. But um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what happened Friday. Um, it was not what I intended to uh, cover at the Steel City Showcase, the inaugural Steel City Showcase. But kind of segueing away from that, like I said in the, in the second game, um, Despite all the commotion, Karan Davis was uh, pretty spectacular, 41 points um, in a dramatic win. And then in the first game, uh, Westside was dominant, Mike. I mean, it took him a while to get going, but, I mean, you saw my headline from my story, uh, a 24-0 run to start the second half, and um, pretty much everyone on their team played well, including none other than Jalen Washington, who I believe finished with like 16 points, 10 rebounds, a couple of blocks. Um, and Mike, he is finding his footing. He is starting to hit his stride. I think he's starting to show, you know, this is why I have the big time offer. This is why I participate in USA basketball and things like that, because he's had a couple of games in a row now where he's hit about, you know, 15 or 16 points and he's not shooting the ball very much. He's shooting the, very, the ball very efficiently, actually. And they probably should get him more touches. But um, overall, man, Mike, the kid looks good. And, and what's the scariest part is that he still doesn't look like he's 100% like healthy. Like, I don't mean that as far as his knee. I mean that just as far as his conditioning and strength and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a sight to see. And he has a beautiful shooting stroke, Mike. I feel like he had to find it after a while because he, I, I won't lie, like, uh, and Jalen, if you're listening, uh, and I joke with him after the game about this and his uh and his coach you know his jumper looked a little broke um uh, first couple of <laughs> first couple of games but you know first game in, in you know in about two years but mike the stroke looks good and um you know if he is who we all know he can be um west side is a scary team for sure yeah um and i think you know this is not a surprise um you know, Chris Buggs, the West Side coach, had said at the beginning of the year, I mean, there's no reason for Jalen to play max minutes um, at the beginning of the season. Um, they have other very good players, including Krishan Christmas and others. And it's it, there was no purpose for him. You know, and people I know, and we had talked about this, you had mentioned this earlier in the podcast, you know, people were saying, how come he's not scoring 25 and 30 every night? Well, what is the point of him scoring 25 and 30 in November or December? There's no point at all. The point is is to get Jalen uh, acclimated again after playing six games in his first two seasons and to be ready for the postseason because uh, we're expecting West Side to be making or be in a position to make you know a pretty deep run 
and as this was always about the postseason and getting him ready for that um you know obviously um there was the early season game against Hammond, you know, which was the showdown for the conference, obviously, which Hammond will be talking about soon here. But, uh, you know, that's a big game, and certainly some of the, the, the other rivalry games that Westside has are big as well. But, you know, Chris Bugs is not going to push Jalen harder than he needs to be pushed early in the season. There's just, again, there's no point in it. And uh, he's playing the long game here. Jalen's a junior. We got to remember that. You know, he's still got another year after this one. So, um, getting him healthy, getting him back into the flow of the game with his teammates, those are their goals here. Um, not for him to put up ridiculous numbers. There's no reason for that. I mean, he's going to be a junior all star. He should be a junior all star. If, if he's not a junior all star, then there's something seriously broken with the system. <laughs> and it's not going to be about his numbers, but it's going to be about what everybody knows he is, which is a top 15 player in the country in his class. So, um, all that been said, um, another team um, that's having a historic season um, in more ways than one. Hammond High, the last year as Hammond High per se in its current building uh, and under its current status. Um, as we've mentioned many times, uh, the city of, school city of Hammond is going down to two high schools next year. Hammond Central, uh, which is uh, almost done on the Hammond high footprint right next to it actually uh, will open Clark will close Gavitt will close um, the current Hammond High building will close so the new Hammond Central will have all of Clark's kids all of Hammond's kids and a few of Gavitt's current kids the rest of Gavitt's kids will go to Morton um, but this is the last year for Hammond High uh, which has a tremendous basketball tradition uh, going back you know decades literally I've been around the area since 1988 it's been a powerhouse ever since then and certainly before that too Larry Moore Jr. the coach has done a tremendous job they expected to be good this year they are good this year and they are number one in the state for the first time since 1974 and what a what a great accomplishment but uh doesn't mean anything honestly because <laughs> they don't care about being number one in february they care about being number one in march yeah uh mike what the funniest thing is when i i reached out to coach more about it and uh you know he was a little uh i guess better of an interview as a coach kind of added some perspective to it because Last time that uh, Hammond was number one was in his was when his father played for Hammond and was an Indiana All Star in nineteen seventy three seventy four alongside none other than Larry Bird, Larry Legend, um, and you know talking to Reggie Abram, who's kind of their emotional leader, and in my opinion, an argument can be made that he is the best guard in the region not talent wise but impact wise people might you know look at me and roll their eyes when they hear that but unless you've seen him play you can't really like you know deny it like if you see him play what he does for that team 
defensively, offensively, energy-wise, and just having no fear at all. Um, you know, you, you kind of understand where I'm coming from. But um, when I talked to him about being number one, he was like, uh, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, yeah, cool, whatever. We want to win state. So that's the mindset. And I know people, uh, I hear all the time kids tell me they want to win state, which is obviously the goal for any high school athlete. But it's very realistic for those Hammond Wildcats um, simply because they're so balanced, they're so well coached, and they're so experienced. I mean, they have a bunch of seniors, a bunch of guys who's played together, been through the highs and lows um, of everything. And, uh, you know, I think barring any COVID-19 interruptions, their shot to get to Indianapolis is about as good as any program in the region, boys or girls, and that includes Crown Point. Girls, seriously. I think that they're that good. I've seen them play, um, and they can win big. They can win close. They can win ugly. They can, I mean, they, they figure out, I mean, they're, they're literally one, you know, one point away from, you know, uh, or rather two points away from beating uh, Lawrence North in their first game of the season, who was uh, ranked highly in full class 4A. So they're like, they're like a couple of points and a couple of possessions away from being undefeated. So, um, you know, it, it, I think the one thing I wanted to kind of drive home in the article that I did was that this means a, a lot to the Hammond community. And I'll probably have to do another story on it eventually, probably closer to the postseason, um, just because those folks really, really care about Hammond High. And I think the most disappointing part about this season, even though it's a great one for them, is that they can't have the usual fanfare and, 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 and graduates and alumni at their games. Like I was talking to Coach Moore about it, and he was just saying – could you imagine what our gym would be like or what the Hammond Civic Center would look like if we were allowed to have fans? Um, is that something to change in the future? Yes, you know, might be able to have the 25% fans, things like that. He was telling me that, that things have not changed at Hammond High just yet as far as their attendance. However, you know, even beyond that, Mike, if we were in normal circumstances with this team at the Hammond Civic Center, with their history of basketball there, uh, I feel like it would just be something like out of a movie because everyone's talking about this team, um, and rightfully so. I mean, and they play a very tough schedule. They don't play anybody pretty anybody easy. And I was joking with Coach Moore that for the first couple of weeks of the season, they were an Indianapolis-based team because that's all they that's where, that's where they played. You know, and they're they're one of those programs along with a couple others in the region that aren't afraid to go play anybody anywhere in any time. And for the most part, they beat anybody, anywhere, anytime. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think that uh, the players have kind of leaned into that that pressure of being, you know, expected to be great. They enjoy it. They embrace it. But, I mean, every time they step on the floor, those guys um, play very hard. I think, like you alluded to earlier, they beat Westside early in the season, which was very impressive. They flipped an 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter to a 10-point win over one of the best teams in 4A in Westside. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for them. Um, and I think that it's definitely some good news to just have around the region uh, throughout a really weird season with all the starts and stoppages, just hoping that they stay healthy as well as others. And they get a shot to, you know, end the season on their own terms, whether that's, you know, at state or not. You would have to wait and see. Right. And uh, speaking of... Playoffs postseason. The girls' postseason starts uh, in a few hours as we record this. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, you took a spin around the region from all the way from, I guess, from Clark out to, um, what's the farthest one, South Central, maybe, Westville, out in LaPorte counties, and everywhere in between. And uh, I had a little uh, data point about all 39 schools that are actually participating. Not everyone is participating because of uh, COVID and other reasons. Exactly. We had River Forest and Whiting drop out. Um, one thing I'll say is I will not be repeating all 39 things that I wrote about the 39 teams competing because that's why I wrote the article. <laughs> um, you can go check it out. Um, you can assume what's written about some teams. Others, uh, I had to kind of honestly grasp for a few straws. Um, not, you know, coaches might not be uh, as, uh, as available to talk or they don't really update things on max prep. So some of the stuff I had to do was based off, you know, the team's recent success or, you know, their schedule, last win, things like that. Um, you know, might not be the greatest tidbit, but something just to get everyone excited and for everyone to be included. Um, and one thing I do want to point out is I know everyone thinks Crown Point is great, which they are. But one team to keep an eye on is Andrean. Andrean girls, their only loss this season was to Crown Point, And it was not a blowout. Um, honestly, they probably could have won. So, uh, and that's how uh, Coach Tony Shube, uh, when I talked to him about it, that's how he felt. And that's that's how he felt in the story that uh, one of our stringers, uh, David Funk, wrote when he covered the game. So, um, you know, that's a team that I didn't expect to be as good as they are this year. And I think that the Crown Point game was certainly a test. And again, I was shocked that because most region games that involve Crown Point are blowouts you know our, our double digit wins and um that was not the case with andran they held their own and i think that if anybody else is going to make a deep run or is poised to make a deep run besides the usual teams or teams you might have expected um like crown point i think andran's one of them they had a really good year last year and um we'll see what happens like i said i'm just hoping that people can stay healthy um, and have a chance to play, uh, and like I said, have a chance to end their season on their own terms. I think a lot of the athletes I've talked to, um, they would tell me that they would rather have, you know, have, rather have lost than have their season ended by COVID. Um, when I when I talked to Cooper Jones after a Valpo loss at, at semi-state in, in football, that's exactly what he told me. He was like, hey, James, you know, I gave it everything I had, and um, we just weren't the better team, but it's still better than just not knowing what could have been. So, um, we'll see what happens. I'll be heading out to Chesterton for their, their sectional um, first game. I believe it's Valpo and Portage. Second game tonight is Lowell and Crown Point. Um, I'm excited for it. It should be fun. You know me, Mike, when the playoffs get here, a little more energy in there. You know, uh, of course, I have my mask on, but I'll be smiling the entire time because I love playoff <laughs> basketball. I, love, I like it when it's do or die, man. This is when um, you see uh, who's... Uh, who's ready to give it their all. And I'm sure all of them will, but who's ready to advance and things like that. And sometimes you never know what can happen when it's a one game elimination tournament. Um, so on any given day, any team can win. So I'm excited to kind of see um, what unfolds, both the expected and unexpected. Right. And uh, with that, um, we will move to another sport. Uh, does not feel much like, we're getting ready for baseball right now. We just got a foot of snow dumped on us, and we're expecting <laughs> the coldest temperatures of the winter. 
this weekend. So when you head out for sectional semis on Friday night and sectional finals on Saturday night, it is going to be a cold one. Um, but uh, my column from last Friday was about baseball, uh, specifically youth baseball uh, in the city of Hammond. Uh, none of the four youth programs played last year because of the pandemic. Uh, that is Hessville Little League and then the three Cal Ripken Babe Ruth Leagues, which are Lakeshore, Hermits, and Optimists. And uh, I talked to uh, Roger Brock, who is the president of the Hessville Little League, and Don Tomich, who is the player agent. And uh, it was good to talk some baseball um and you know for the folks who've been around for a long time uh you know what baseball is in hessville uh hessville uh is a baseball hotbed um, i wrote about cody earl a few times this past year uh he was the times player of the year in 2015 when morton uh shocked the world i would say with not a lot of uh, exaggeration by winning a 4A sectional and uh, he was a product of Hessville Little League uh, and Don told me with a lot of pride that uh, eight of the nine starters on that 2015 Morton sectional champ uh, came up through the Hessville Little League so just a tremendous amount of tradition there um, Little League and Town ball in particular have had some tough times lately. Uh, a lot of kids have gravitated toward tra- travel ball, thinking that's their best way to get uh, noticed uh, in terms of getting college scholarships and, and maybe even beyond that. But there's a place for town ball, and uh, there always will be. It's where kids get started with the game when they're four or five years old playing t-ball. And, you know, kids need a chance to be kids. And uh, while travel ball has its place as well, um, not every kid and not every parent is in a position to, not every parent is in a position to drive their kids all over the Midwest every weekend playing 70, 80 games a summer. And not every kid wants to do that, you know, kids... Some kids want to do multiple sports. And when you're a kid, that's what you should be able to do. You should be able to do stuff that you want to do and not necessarily be locked into the travel ball thing. I mean, some kids, you know, certainly, you know, lock into baseball early or softball and travel ball, you know, gives them an opportunity to really focus on that. But again, town ball is has a role and uh, Hestville has got a great tradition. And one of the things that makes Hessville really special, too, is that you've got a bunch of people who are running this league and who are affiliated with it who have no skin in the game. Uh, They don't have kids in the league. At one point, many of them did have kids in the league, but their kids have moved on. They're adults now. Some of those kids have their own kids. And... It's just a, a real strong community, and uh, there are a few other people besides Roger and Don 
Bryn Jefferson, who uh, runs the Hammond Hurricanes senior Babe Ruth team, a 16- to 18-year-old team that's won state championships and gone on to regionals and, uh, and other major tournaments. Uh, he has also helped uh, the Little League by holding clinics for them. Uh, Scott Lush, who is the coach at Morton, uh, has also been a real big supporter of Hesville Little League. It's one of his feeder programs uh, as well. So it was, to me, a real good feel-good story. Uh, they're getting back out there again this spring. And uh, the news peg on that was actually that they just started uh, tryouts, uh, or not tryouts, rather, but sign-ups, rather. And uh, those are going to be going on at the Gene Shepherd Community Center uh, right off uh, 8094 at Kennedy Avenue there uh, in Dowling Park. So uh, if you live in Hessville, and actually if you live in Griffith, too, because Griffith is now part of their boundaries, uh, because Griffith does not have its own league, uh, and you have a kid who's interested in playing baseball or softball, uh, be sure to check them out. The, uh, you can find the story on our social media, on our website. Uh, it's got all the information. Um, and, uh, again, be sure to check it out. But uh, So that's a really cool uh, thing that's that's getting started again. And uh, Yes, other, uh, it's coming. Like, I feel like I, I'm almost – forgotten what baseball and softball and things like that look like you know so it's uh it it is like funny that you said like you said um it's it's super cold and um i'm sure we'll talk about this in a second when we get to our last point but um there are some things i want people to kind of know that there are some things going on uh and, and they're good that they're coming back but it's like man could it come back at a weirder time just because it is so cold and on that note i'll let uh mike kind of tell you what he's been up to i've seen um you know some tweets about twitter previews courtesy of his other gig um but it's just funny seeing that um i'll be talking about the last podcast uh craig bazia who's new crown point coach will be gearing up for some uh very uh cold football but until then um you know we also have some some basketball other things that uh have been green lighted. So, Mike, if you could kind of explain uh, what the heck happened in Illinois, you know, two weeks ago, we thought nothing would happen at all, and now things are looking up. Right. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, Governor Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health uh, said that all sports could play uh, once regions got to phase four. Uh, which was a change because uh, until they made that announcement, uh, the high-risk sports, which included basketball and football, could not play at that level. Um, They could only practice. So now uh, we did get the green light, and actually today as we speak, just a few hours, well, actually maybe even less than an hour before we actually started recording here, uh, the news came that uh, Region 10, which is suburban Cook County, moved to phase four so uh the athletic directors and coaches at tf north tf south marion catholic uh, have been gearing up actually uh tryouts for basketball started yesterday monday at tf north tf south marion catholic's basketball teams actually have been working out uh for a little bit longer um all in anticipation of Getting back at it, uh, basketball returned to the state of Illinois last Friday night. There were two games in the state. 
downstate. Uh, there were uh, a handful of games on Saturday. Uh, and right now, uh, it's kind of a free-for-all to get as many games in as you can because uh, basketball runs through uh, March. And uh, I don't have the exact date in front of me right now. but And then football starts uh, with practice on March 3rd and games on March 19th. It's going to be chilly. Um, so basically, <coughs> excuse me, it's basically flipping the schedule for the usual season because usually we start out in hot weather and finish up in, you know, cold weather for football. And now we're going to start out in cold weather. And actually, it's only a six week season, um, but uh, it's something. And a lot of kids didn't think they were going to get that. And, uh, you know, going back to basketball, actually, I talked to. Tim Bankson, who's the TF North coach, and uh, he lost a few kids, actually, uh, to transfer it out, thinking that they might not have a chance to play. And one of them, actually, is at Hammond High, Julius Bird, um, who is, uh, I guess, one of their, uh, you know, one of their players who's, uh, you know, part of that program, obviously, given a little bit of depth and, you know, uh, you know adding another another piece of the puzzle for the Wildcats. But, uh, yeah, so uh, TF North is getting back at it. Again, without a few kids, uh, and another kid who transferred to Hyde Park. Um, but uh, everybody's excited to be getting back into playing again. Uh, TF North, TF South did not take part in the low-risk sports in the fall. So uh, when they start playing again, which looks like it's going to be sometime next week, it will be the first athletic events involving TF North, TF South in um, right around 11 months, actually. Uh, Marion Catholic did take part in a low-risk sports in the fall, so they did have a little bit of action, but, uh, you know, again, no basketball or football for the Spartans either, but those will be back in some limited form. Um, looks like the way it's working for a lot of the schools in Illinois, a lot of them are playing only conference schedules. A few of them are getting a little bit more ambitious. Um, but uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But it's good to have sports back. And again, uh, in this time of uh, the pandemic, it's a tough time for kids. Uh, a lot of them have been out of school much of the time, uh, if not all of the time. And the chances to just, again, be kids, you know, have the socialization opportunities uh, to be with their peers, um, you know, is, is something that they've missed. And uh, to have those opportunities back, you know, the coaches are uh, really excited and enthused about getting back to doing what they love to do as well. So, um, you know, and Indiana's done, you know, Indiana, after uh, canceling the spring season, obviously played the fall season, has played the winter season. And uh, those kids have had those opportunities. Now the Illinois kids get the opportunities, too. We are glad for that. But, again, we will uh, also say uh, our usual uh, mantra of mask up, social distance, wash your hands, uh, don't give up on any of the precautions that we've been doing to get to this point, please, because we do not want to have a back, any kind of backsliding. 
And on that note, we'll check in with you all next week. And I will say one parting shot. Um, my Illinois beat down. My beloved Illini beat down Iowa. Um, we're back, you know, in the top 15. I believe we're number 12 right now. Drake is number 25 in the AP poll with all the region guys. So just keep your eye out on those region guys over at Drake. I know we have Paul um, Oren with our MVC Hoops coverage of Valpo, but it almost feels like uh, Drake is, is the region's team and, and the country's team at this point. They're kind of the underdog Cinderella story so far. So I'm hoping you all are enjoying the sports that we have. And hopefully, like you said, in your column with Hesville and others, Hopefully we can get some more sports here in the near future. Until then, stay safe. Mask up.